the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 158, recorded Friday, August 29th, 2014. Call them clients. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. If you want to be picky, you can also say audio, video, and news, and information. I don't care. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. It's the Friday before Labor Day. This will be an interesting show. That's all I'm saying. Uh, To make it interesting is George Tucker, who's looking up for some reason right now. Okay. Hi, George. Hi. He's the engineering coordinator for World Stage. Um, He's also... (laughs) Today, he's my entire brain. I usually say he's the left side of my brain. Today, he's it. He's it, folks. So, so you you're going to be able to solve quadratic equations, but I not balance. I can. <laughs> and do it with a Yonkers accent. Yonkers. Yonkers. Oh, whatever. Forget about it. Forget about it. Hey, I was born in Britain, Hampton. So that, what, do you, what does that say? Yeah, yeah. I was born around cornfields. I live around cornfields. And most likely, I'll die around cornfields. So you, what you're saying is you're a cornfield. I'm a cornfield. I'm a cornflake, <laughs> you know, being born and raised in Illinois. That or sorbe- soybeans. So, uh, Also with us uh, from just down the street, sort of. In my, You know what? In my Midwestern brain, Steve Greenblatt is just down the street from George. Uh, he's the chief muckety-muck <laughs> muckety muck at, at Control Concepts uh, and also the host of our very own uh, State of Control. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, and also, last but not least, not to be outdone, but he's in the real time zone. That would be the central time zone. Jamie Trader from AMX. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing there? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, this week, we've got some interesting little back and forth. First of all, we've got some, uh, let's call it residential-based stuff, which is unusual for us. Typically, if we talk resi stuff, it's, it's all about uh, displays, which we do have a couple of those. Uh, but there have been some interesting developments over the last couple of weeks uh, when it comes to control and home automation and some DIY stuff. So we're going we're gonna to kick that around. Um, also going to tackle uh, we, Google, right? And, and the reason we're going to tackle Google, or at least talk about them, is they're spending a little bit of money. And I say a little bit of money for them. It's a lot of money to me, but a little bit of money for, for faster um, uh, infrastructure and, and internet and what that means. And also, something we've talked about on this show more than once, but it has now gotten into the realm of electrical contractors. And it's a, it's a EC Magazine is a, is a resource we pick up from time to time. They're talking about recurring revenue uh, in the electrical contracting uh, world. And so I want to talk about that a little bit and how they're, they're finally grabbing onto it and something that we've we've talked about before so all right uh first up uh from the world of uh, ce pro uh, let's see if i can figure out how to show this on on the screen again this week uh peck i believe is high or peq let's just put it that way. peq home automation will finally be sold at best buy with quote unquote i control service now 
here's what you've got. And by the way, this is being recorded on the 29th of August. This says you can buy it on the 31st, so knock yourself out. Two more days. Um, George, we'll, we'll start with you on this. And uh, No, actually, Steve, we should start with you. Um, what's this, what, what is this going to do uh, when it comes to not just home, uh, but guys who live in residential, like our buddy Rich Fragoza, right? But also to the, to the pro people, and this is the reason why I ask it this way. Um, you've got the the standard, you know, the iPad. I can do it in my house, so the, the executive brings it into the boardroom, and I want it to do. You know, I want this to look and feel like my my house. How much of an impact is this going to have on guys like Rich, but also on 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 guys like you and me who deal in 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 the residential and the education world? I. I look at it from a couple of different ways. You know, one, I think that it's good for people to really be able to grasp what we do and, and the complexities of it, the challenges, the, the value of it. Because when you do ask somebody what you want when you're talking about a truly custom system, they have a better sense of what they do like and what they don't like. And, and I think having something that's a lot more tangible, and especially when you're speaking to people about what, what it is that we do, the ability for them to grasp it and to be able to to own something that that they've put in and that they they've been able to to master on their own gives them a good sense of what what in it entails so i i think that that on on that side of the fence it, it it's uh, a lot of value on, on the other side of the fence people uh, i think will undervalue what we do because of the fact that they can go and get it and do it themselves yeah. so so you know the the, the you know you, you could look at it from both sides, but personally, if I were to pick one, I would say it's 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 a good thing, and I, and I like the fact that what what we do and and the the automation world is becoming a lot more tangible and available to to everybody. Okay, Jamie, you you work and, and live and, and breathe the AMX world, right? You guys are uh, one of the major players in automation and control. Is Steve right? Is this going to help? you know, control become more of a household name and make it, you know, more user-friendly, let's say. I think it absolutely accomplishes that mission. It definitely makes it, uh, you know, just more accessible and more available. I think the market that this is really appealing to is a market that isn't being served. And these are guys that are comfortable, you know, doing things on their own. They have a set of expectation of just base fundamental controls. And it's not so much about... You know, if you look at what these things deliver, they don't deliver very, very uh, um, tailored, unique experiences. And I think that, you know, the more that we can make these types of technologies available to that uh, a specific market segment, it really validates a higher-end market that basically says, I want to have, you know, I've got people that want to have a curated experience. And this is where Steve and, and, and uh, you know, high-end professional programmers with a lot of competency and a lot of time and market really can refine and really, really bring fresh and, and uh, more value into the market space. That, that when you look at products like PQ and the, you know, as I think the term uh, Julie used was bajillion other products <laughs> that kind of serve this space is, you know, it, it's really that uh, this has served a market that hasn't been served before. And I think that what it kind of does is in the residential space, it kind of does something that's very familiar in the commercial space, and I want to—I don't want to go down a rabbit hole there, but I mean, I think that what you're seeing happen in the commercial space is a migration away from 
curated experiences and more just how do we accommodate technology to accommodate productivity, which kind of takes some of the art and some of the flair out of uh, the products and product choices. So I, I think it's great. I think they're great. I think they're neat toys. I think that, and they're neat. They're neat technologies, and they definitely satisfy a need that just isn't being served currently. All right, George. One of the actually one of the, the second longest running show that we have is DIY, right? And mm -hmm. one of the things that I saw when, it, when I thought of when I saw this was was those very people, you know, Tim Gray and, and Zadi and and the gang, uh, John Danforth. Actually, you the one who started that show. Is this kind of what this is? That kind of to Jamie's point, people who are used to and, and comfortable in that world. That's who this this thing is marketed towards. I think he's he's right. Yeah, this is the educated consumer okay. that Ad used to say. Um, although I think they are pushing for that mass acceptance where it's plug and play. They're all chasing the nest. They're all chasing that dream utopian infrastructure where you simply buy it, plug it in, and it says, "Hey, who do you have in your house? Good, we can control that." Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't, it automatically downloads it. Um, still to that same effect, this is the way you get people in. Now, the Tim Grays of the world and the Anthony Zotties, they're looking at, you know, some other, like, do-it-yourself stuff, which is even deeper down. I mean, they'll play with this stuff, but they really want to go with... Um, X10. Yeah, well, not X10, <laughs> but there's... Yeah, don't get me started on X10. You know what that does. I know. Um, and I'm being calm. Deep breaths. It's They're Friday. gone, so I don't have to worry. You know. Well, that's true. <laughs> although, although a very good friend of ours still uses it to control the lights in his house. I won't mention any names. Oh, that's fine. But he has a CTSD and I don't. So. In a Cracker Jack box. <laughs> you know what? If I had it, I probably would still be using it. Cursing okay. it every day, but I would. <laughs> no, seriously. This is, this is a, an interesting idea. They're all chasing that nest effect. And I think someone's going to catch fire, and then the job is to make that curated experience possible within the bounds of that. I mean, look, we have to admit that as technology gets faster, as technology gets smaller, some of the things we relied upon that were our bread and butter are going to go away into this domain because they just have The right. technology's going to catch up. Okay, so let me, let me and, and Jamie, I'm going to start with you. It's going to be unfair. I apologize beforehand. Uh, who is going to get that nest effect? Is it AMX? Is it a company like AMX or, or a company like your guys? Who has the ability to? I mean, you guys have got the background, you've got the pedigree, you've got the, you've got the, you know, the, the ten thousand pound engine behind you. Is it that, or is it a company like this, or a company like Nest, or or maybe a smaller uh, company who you know has some I don't know a crazy college kid you know cranking away in his in his in his dorm room. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's any one particular company. And if you look at, if you look at all the market trends and just what's happening in technology in general, there's a sheer saturation that then fuels interest and fuels um, a lot of things. I think if I mean the question you're asking is basically, I think more of a 10, 15, even a 20 year trajectory question. It's it's where does it all distill down to? At what point do all this? You know, it's it's kind of looking back in the rearview mirror 20 years ago, saying which social media platforms are going to reign, and it kind of just Fills down to one or two simple answers, whereas there's been eight billion things that that people have explored and gone gone towards. You know, is it going to be AMX? Is it going to be Crestron? Is it going to be any of these boxes? I don't think it's any one manufacturer. Part of you know convergence towards the cloud and offering you know uh, uh, services like this is how many people can also contribute into that experience and what unique contributions can be made into those types of services. The only thing where I get 
and this is just a personal, this isn't AMX talking, this is Jamie talking, the only, the only area where I get concerned is, is where's the point on subscription services model in a consumer market? Now, I, I sit there and I think about how many things do I subscribe to on a week-by-week and month-by-month and year-by-year basis. And when you start thinking about how many things you get recurring charges of, you know, your security, your cloud storage, your your Netflix, your DVRs, your Xbox Lives, your, you know, productivity software for personal use and home use. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're adding on layers of I want to just pay services to be able to make my garage door open or, you know, open my door at a certain time. You know, at some point, there's got to be a breaking point to where, People feel a whole bunch of money outflow, but they no longer appreciate the physical and tactile things that they own and, and are experiencing. So there's going to break. There'll be a breaking point, and I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see where it comes out. But I don't think there will be one reigning winner, you know, if you will. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, on that point, you bring up an interesting point about subscription services. Ten, maybe, maybe even five years ago. Okay, we call it six. We no, everybody was fighting against the idea that you would have a subscription service that would be your main document person place, yeah. like Google Docs or Microsoft does on the cloud. We balked at not buying CDs and having subscriptions, as you said. I don't think we're that far away from people saying, you know what, it is just like my cable, and if I want it, that's what I'm going to spend my money on. Yeah. And I think there's an in there. That, that physical oh. graspy thing is for us old guys. No, I, I agree, but I, it's at some point there's the threshold of what am I willing to pay monthly money for? Mm, yeah. You know, it, it, I think I don't think we're near or close to that line. Don't get me wrong. I think there's going to be a whole lot more monthly spending that'll go on, and I think I think you nailed it. I think in the home market, it even it really points more towards who am I already spending money on, and if mm. it's my cable provider, does that cable provider become more of my service provider, and then become more of my lifestyle provider, my home mm. lifestyle provider? That's, I think, more of the filter where you see it going. But I, I still think there's going to be some point where, you know, I, let me put it to you this way: there's still a there's still a consumer base out there that still refuses technology in general. I mean, I'm still getting used to Texas lifestyle. I've still got neighbors in a really nice neighborhood that don't even have sprinkler systems because it's just too fancy and too much of a pain in the butt. They don't believe in it, right? So I mean, there's there's always going to be a spectrum of human types out there. Some who appreciate technology and some who don't. So it'll be interesting. No, it will be. But you also have this, the, the culture of, you know, we, we talked about this before, where um, technology is pushing from the home back to the corporate. And, and part of that corporate back to the home is the idea mm-hmm. of services, right? I mean, 99.9%, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not going to say every, but nearly every um, network sale that goes on, there's a service contract with, right? Um, yep. there, you know, you, you almost can't get one without it. And, and what those service contracts do is it gives you, you know, this, that, and the other. And that idea is coming back to the home when it comes to services, right? Whether it's, uh, the, your cable company providing, uh, control or, you know, security or your security company providing control or it's Netflix or what have you. I mean, that's kind of where we're, we're heading towards where a lot of stuff we're doing now is, is service-based, um, which is, well, you know, well, go ahead. Well, think in the commercial space where we're successful at service contracts. When you look at um, networking and IT, IT business models, look at Microsoft contracts, Cisco contracts, where we get really successful is where the services begin to subsidize the hardware. Well, even look at cellular technology for that matter, too. Anywhere where a consumer can start to see that they're either going to spend money here or they're going to spend it over here, 
services become much more attractive when I know that I'm paying for the full um, functionality and I'm paying for the experience. What I think is interesting right now is in this 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 phase we're at with PEQ type products is we're still asking someone to spend significant amount of money on hardware and then we're also asking them to spend money on a week by week basis. My comfort with plant paying for cloud storage is I'm not making a hard drive purchase. Yeah. You know, when it comes to home automation, I, I'm much more willing to have a monthly fee if I don't have any upfront costs on hardware. So there's a, there's a lot of issues that come into, you know, service contracts. And one of the things we see happening right now is a lot of low-voltage integrators are recognizing that they need to, you know, basically they need to enhance their company bottom line by growing incremental revenues. But they're still in the mindset of, you know, needing to make the money on the hardware as well. And these are guys that are going in and trying to sell services. They're, they're recognizing that they're trying to sell services after they've delivered something. And they're saying, hey, we really need to sell this upstream. We need to sell this when we're actually bidding the projects. Unfortunately, in the low-voltage world, a lot of those technologies that go in and are bid at a construction point aren't things that end customers have a tactile experiential uh, feeling with, things like security and access control and stuff like that. That's infrastructure. That's drywall. You know, to to a lot of end users. Whereas when you get into network service contracts and Microsoft, those those the buyer gets involved in it during the construction process because those are about business productivity. And I think that in the low voltage contractor world, where you're going to see the service contract really the the service contract model really reign is where the low voltage uh, contractors leverage the AV discussion and they leverage the productivity technologies into that to get the buyer's interest and to get them to listen at the point of construction versus the point of implementation. No. Well, and this actually leads into a, you know, very nice segue into, into another one of our other stories. Uh, again, I mentioned at the top of the, of the show from electrical contractor magazine, uh, they write about, you know, a lot of their contractors, which are, whether it's, you know, fire or alarm or what have you, they leave a lot of those maintenance contracts to other people. And, uh, the writer, uh, uh Claire uh, Swedberg, or Swedberg rather, uh, writes, look, guys, you know, this is something where your maintenance and service contracts have got to be kind of wrapped in already. Steve, whether it's guys like you and I, Steve is a you know independent programmer. I'm, you know, innovative company I work for is an independent programming house. How do we how do we start that conversation? Whether that's with the clients that we work with or with with whether it's you know our brethren like, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, George's company, World Stage. Not only do they do live staging and events, but they also do integration. You know, how do we start that conversation with with those companies and say, "Look, guys, you you you've got to start wrapping these in." Like Jamie said, you got to do it on the front end. I, I think that all that stuff is relationship based. So you're you're buying into a relationship, and and you're buying into building that you have that that confidence exists. So somebody is at a point where. That, that this is something that that you know, it, it's an easy sell uh, up front before you actually do the project and and those pain points may not have been identified where they may run into an issue and they may need they, they may not know where they need to rely on something like a maintenance agreement I think becomes a lot harder you know usually when we're in these situations we've done the work and as we're doing the work and we're building that comfort level that's when we start to introduce, hey, what can we do to extend this relationship because it seems to be working and it's something that 
I think that is going to be a value to you and we want to be there for you when you're, when you're having difficulties and we want to be able to continue to support you. And let's put an agreement in place so that we can make that official. All right, George, uh, from mm -hmm. your guys' standpoint, you know, like I mentioned the you know, World Stage is not only a live staging and event show company, um, which if you haven't followed them on Facebook and you're interested in television, you should. Because <laughs> every, every uh, was it every fall and I think every winter, is there an upfront every winter as yeah, well? Uh, no, every spring. Every spring. Uh, they do almost all the upfronts for in, in New York, York yeah. and it's really freaking cool. Uh, but anyhow, so how do Thousands you guys? Thousands of LED tiles. Do, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, I can't get George on the phone between, uh, you know, uh, yeah, 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 and, and neither can his wife. Um, yeah, that's uh, true. But uh, how do you guys start the conversation with, with your clients, you know, when it comes to this whole services idea? Well, this is something we started long ago. Uh, I remember the, the birth of it where we were like, mm. and with the same resistance I think many integrators have is what we had was, oh, it's labor intensive, there's a lot going on, you always have to be responding, and is the revenue worth the outlay and can that really work i guess to put it in social media terms is there an roi that really matters here and there is because as as steve was saying it is a relationship and it's about not just getting recurring revenue but about fostering that relationship and something that my boss the owner of this company josh weisberg taught me a long time ago was you call them clients they're not customers hmm. clients are relationships customers consume we're not selling to consume we're selling to build solutions and things. And that was the was that this sort of manifesto that we, we, we did that by where you can do it and you can send guys on regular stuff and you can make money out of it even when the emergency uh, stuff happens and you feel like you're going to be pulling your hair out. You plan for it and that always leads to, you know, it's been a great relationship. We've had a little bit of trouble. But we're ready to expand and we want you guys to do the following. You know, we're not even bidding. We want you guys to do it. That's the kind of things that happen. You know, you did it out of the goodness of getting a little bit of money, but also keeping them alive and always running. And you know what? Down the line, that really does foster paying forward and getting something for it. So, again, it's a client, not a customer. That's really what it's about to me. Well, and, and Jamie, George makes a good point. You know, yes, services are, are a nice revenue stream. I shouldn't say a nice revenue stream. It's a, it's a revenue stream. It's another revenue stream for integrators uh, in the AV industry. But it also benefits the client as well because it does keep them up and running. So, as a manufacturer, how do you how do you um, convey that? I guess to your integrators. I mean, not just the AVISPLs of the world, but also you know the smaller uh, companies that are that are a little bit more regional or you know city based. You know, one one city or, or two city based. How do you how do you convey that to to your dealers? I think it's easy to convey. I my opinion on it is not that the value isn't understood by the buyer. And by the buyer, I just mean the end consumer, the end customer, the end client. Um, I don't think anybody doesn't get the value. I think everybody everybody understands that there's a desire to have a guaranteed uptime, a guaranteed productivity, guaranteed functionality, uh, um, where really, really I think where the industry is kind of struggling right now at the moment is is with trying to determine how early can they sell that relationship, how early can they sell that type of guarantee in the buying process. And one of the things you know AMX has really been focused on, you know, over the last couple of years is what type of solutions can we generate that actually can demonstrate that AV technology 
can be managed into an IT deployment strategy the same way their Cisco gear, the same way the Microsoft, the same way the telephony, the same way all of the other business productivity technologies are being uh, deployed. And I'm sure from you talking to Sean and some other folks, you know, over the over the last year, you've probably seen a lot of uh, the things that we've done with RPM and RMS. And I think it's really just about demonstrating demonstrating that there's a much larger investment in technology than the actual original spend. You know, you've got 90% of your actual equipment costs come in how you maintain and sustain that equipment. So we're just really out, really educating end users on. And I, w I shouldn't even say educating. We're really just talking in terms that they've already been using for the other gear, and we're engineering solutions that make those those aspects of the technology purchase almost as important as the technology itself. Things with RPM and, and RMS. Okay. Yeah, and that was one thing that uh, we, as, as a company, has started going down is is RMS and and getting our programmers trained mm -hmm. on on the not just you know AMX's remote uh, management software but but others as well because you're right it it is a very mm -hmm. it's it here's the thing it's it's a good tool right it, it's a good mm -hmm. tool not only for integrators but it's a good tool for the end user because whether it's a university or it's a it's a fortune 500 company it gives them a way to manage and maintain their assets uh, which is which is never right. a bad thing so. well, well and here's your challenge so so the so the end user gets it the end user knows that they want to be able to manage their stuff more intelligently but typically, when you're selling after construction and you're selling to a person who's tasked with project management of technology procurement, you're selling to a guy that's been handed a bucket of capital revenue or capital spending. And he has very, and that person at that buying level has very little care about what the operating impact is going to be over the next five years. And so even though the end user constituency, the steering committee that's listening to you position in the technology solution gets it and agrees and they nod their head and they say man that would be great if we could do those things at the end of the day all the ROI comes out of operating capital that they're not tasked with yeah. so really to effectively sell service contracts you're really talking about getting upstream in the decision-making process and getting into the people's ears that are actually affecting operating expense management so it, it there's a couple things there working you know, working against us that we all have to go and recognize and make sure we've got the right stakeholders at the table to discuss, you know, to help them the way they need to be helped. You know, one of the things that we used to, I use all the time to sell it when trying to go upstream or get to that, that higher person was, think about when you have a computer problem. And in the old days, or, you know, and even now, you buy an accelerated video card. They will often tell you from, say, the manufacturer of the computer, oh, that's another part, you have to call them. How frustrated are you that you have to call 15 people? Right. Why not be the person they can trust to go to? I'm that person. Right. This is what's going to happen. Don't go to 15 places. I'm your conduit. Now let me go call 15 people, and I'll solve it. And I think right. that often sees, ah, one, one stream, no red tape, you're responsible, done. <laughs> I mean, put it in that way, they want one person to blame. You did or you didn't do it. <laughs> and it gives them an out. I can blame you. Exactly. Good. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you, I've got that dream. Yep. Yeah, I mean, working in a manufacturer, you know, when, when you're tech support people, they are the answer people, no matter what. Because you want to be the one that solves it, not the one who said, mm, you have to go talk to XYZ. <laughs> oh, don't get me started, because I've had conversations with other that bounce back and forth. So, mm -hmm. And I may have gotten a hold of a bad, <laughs> bad you know, tech support person, but, <clears throat> yeah. Steve and I have both been on the end of, you know, have, have been the, the ping pong ball in that, haven't we, Steve? 
Absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of such a thing. I know. I know you don't because you're, you know, you're above that sort of thing because you were the freaking paddle. That's why. <laughs> so, all right, let's, let's move on. Let, let's, let's talk about, uh, let's cover a couple, couple residential things real quick. First of all, uh, Best Buy, this is a CE Pro, another CE Pro story, uh, Best Buy's Q2 revenue was down, but they're optimistic about Q3 and Q4. Why is that? You say, I guess you could call this two words, 4K. Jeez, uh, this thing, oh. this one. Oh, and away. comma, UHD. Well, comma, UHD and comma, OLED, because they're selling they're selling an OLED 3G, uh, LG uh, for about $5,000 or $6,000. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, Steve, were we surprised about this or the fact that, that this is where Consumer Electronics is putting all their eggs right now is, is this whole next generation? And just, just so it's been said, I, I saw an ad the other day for a, a camera and it was, it was like, you know, 1080p was this small little crappy video. They had 4K slash UHD and then they had UHD 2. I swear to God, it's already been coined UHD 2 slash 8K. So there you go. It's already starting. Uh, so Steve, are we surprised that this is where uh, consumer electronics and honestly where, where we're going to put all of our, all of our eggs uh, in this basket for displays? Well, it certainly seems to be the way that things are going in our world, but yeah. I, I, I'm not co- really convinced that the average consumer is going to appreciate it. I mean, I still think that there, in some respects, there was a hard sell to get people to, to HD. There's people said, we, I can't appreciate the difference. I, and and now they now we have them at HD. And although I know that people do want to have new toys and new uh, and and new things to 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 buy and, and look forward to in the electronics realm, but does the average person really appreciate the difference between where they are and what 4K or 8K may may bring to them? Uh, you know, it, it it it's certainly a luxury and and not not necessarily a necessity. Yeah, George, are we? This is—is is this kind of where we're headed anyway? I mean, not to poo-poo the the march of technology and the march of progress, but this is kind of where we're headed, right? I mean, 1080p leads us to to 4K, which leads us to 8K, which God help us, will lead us to 16K, right? One would presume, if all those kind of laws of iterations hold true, but um, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm doubtful that they are true. You know, I mean, Moore's law is Moore's law, but is it only just barely sometimes? And it sort of seems like More it's last suggestion. Minute. Yeah, well, you know, if you suggest it, some people believe it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the influence of it. Uh, to, more to the point about the company, though, I think what you're seeing is they said their online sales have grown. Yeah. And their distributor sales have grown. It's the box store stuff that is sort of sloped downward, and that's to be expected. Uh, you know, more of us know what we know, and there's lots of resources out there to find the information. And maybe you go to one store in the area to figure it out, and then they're buying it online. Whether it's from your store or someone else's, it's about the convenience of not having to lug it home, rent a truck, all that other stuff. Yeah. So in the expertise is not always needed. And good Lord, have you asked any of those box store people about 4K or UHD? Have you heard the answers? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. And, you know, and it's not their fault sometimes. They're just thrust out there. You, sell that TV. You know. I have I have a very good friend who I will not I will not punk out on this, but one of his favorite things uh, is to spend his weekends in box stores, mm. confusing the bejesus out of poor salespeople. So, <clears throat> anywho, four K and UHD. You just have to ask him, does it do both? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> 
That is, I've never heard that one. So thank you. I like that. Uh, Jamie, you guys have got an interesting, a, a, a different interesting problem, and that's the infrastructure. Uh, many people, much smarter than I have, I am, have written about the the challenge of, uh, let's be honest, about transporting this stuff, right? I mean, Twisted Pair, as much as we all love it and bow down to it, it ain't going to get, you know, I mean, it, you can get six feet, I think, about, that's it, <laughs> with 4K, so what are what what are your guys' challenges as a as a manufacturer um you know dealing with 4K and and you know and and 8K? Well, the, I think I think the the challenges are pretty they're, they're everyone's challenge and it's exactly what you said. Category cable is a uh you know, it's very influenced by extraneous factors that we don't govern at a manufacturing level and you know and all of us all of this kind of a struggle from the same environmental issues and impact on it, and um, you know, so th- does does the need to distribute higher and higher definition content lead us more towards more and more glass and away from copper? Maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah, it's yeah. chipsets will continue to increase uh, bandwidth and capability. And it's just really the the challenge is making sure that when we're exploring the new chipsets that we're using ones that don't bring in more problems than what they're actually solving. Yeah. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, when, when, when the next set of chips come in and, uh, and, uh, you know, we can push more, more stuff down the pipe and we can start manufacturing cards that actually accommodate it, but then making sure we do it in a responsible way. I, I think glass answers a lot of problems. I mean, the, the box itself is a pretty easy thing to manufacture. <laughs> uh, say that laughingly. Um, but at least we can control that environment. We can control the box. We can control the card. We can't. We can't control what's going to wrap around that stuff out in the field. You know, as far as Best Buy, I, I, I think one of the interesting things about Best Buy and looking at 4K and 8K and UHD and, and everything else that comes down the pipe, I don't see them as really looking at that as the saving grace from the technology itself being something new for them to sell, and that's where they think they're going to get their revenue growth from. I see them looking at, at they're pitting their hopes on 4K and, and all the upcoming signals because those are all technologies that really require somebody to come in and experience. And mm-hmm. as much as Best Buy complains about the showrooming effect, you know, for, for two, almost three years now, they've really been vocal about, you know, the impact of the Internet and how it's turned them into a free showroom. You know, I mean, there's research all the way back to 2011 that points out that, you know, 40% of buyers that are walking into a store with a mobile device, or 40% of buyers that are walking into a Best Buy have a mobile device and their shopping price is right there in hand. And of those 40% of consumers that are walking in there, 97% of them are buying the product that they're looking at in the showroom, the Best Buy showroom, they're buying it online for cheaper somewhere else. So I, I think that there's this recognition that they have a showrooming problem, but yet, you know, how have they changed their business model to accommodate that human need to go in and experience what does 4K mean? How does 4K feel to my eyes? They haven't changed their business model. One of the things I think you'll see happen is at some point they're going to recognize that, you know, they are influencing, I think it was in 2013, they had measured that they had influenced $1.8 billion worth of technology revenues just in one holiday season. Wow. Not that they actually sold and, and, and moved all of that revenue through their stores, but they influenced it. So 
at what point do they say, let's take out the shopping lanes, let's take out the checkout aisles, and let's make this an, a physical online store? And, and what types of things can I do to, uh, maybe I lean on the manufacturers to lease their spaces to them and let this be their showroom so that they can curate a, a more brand experience around their technology versus them trying to feel like they're needing to make money on the transactions of each pieces of hardware. So I think it's I think it's an interesting thing they're highlighting and they're really keying in the fact that 4K is something you have to experience. 3D is something you have to experience. Whatever the goofy next thing is that comes down, that's where they need to make the money. But they're going to have to change their business model to take advantage of it. That is an absolutely brilliant. In case if anybody ever takes that, you owe Jamie money because Amen, that is a, no seriously that's a, that's Amen, a genius brother. idea. Because you you here's the thing what do you do you you take down the size. I mean we we've got one here locally, um, not in Alton but but just down the road. It's huge, right? It it sells you know refrigerators as as well as CDs still you know and DVDs and they have a, a, a cell phone. You get rid of all that stuff. Get rid of all of it. Get rid of the of the car stereo section. Get rid of it. and and lease yourself a you know. I don't know, 500 square feet, you know, en- enough to put up, you know, a dozen or so TVs, put the, make the, the lighting right, get the, you know, everything, get yourself a good, you know, 4K source, which there isn't any really currently, but get yourself a good 4K source and push it and show folks exactly what it is. I mean, that's my biggest problem with, uh, with buying things exclusively online is because I still like to see it, right? Uh, you know, you can look at the specs right. and, you know specs and 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 stats still lie so i i want to physically see it so there you go i mean you get your, your decent size rent and, and show a bunch of displays and you know if somebody wants to buy it you can sell it to them right there and do the whole online you know virtual online thing like he was talking about yep, yep. i like it let's do it you just made a, a commercial real estate person <laughs> uh, pucker you know, uh, that, yeah, right? you know what space. well well i i imagine i just made a bunch of manufacturers pucker too because i also just said in there you know let's go ahead and make the manufacturers responsible exactly for the right uh, charge them rent space right? yep well i mean the question is what most people buy on emotion regardless mm-hmm. of specs a lot of people buy on emotion and you used to be able to say in a box store i want it i want it now mm-hmm. and i'm going to get it you haven't mm-hmm. and the price is okay they're they're, they're across town or it's going to take six days no i want it now i want it now i want it now it doesn't take that long to ship things anymore, and it doesn't always, the pricing sometimes in these hard economic times has outweighed that. But what do you do to bring that back? And it's service, and it's information, and it's having better trained people, like you said, showroom it, make it a smaller space, make the manufacturers and that outlet be a distribution point, but then give them information. Have mm-hmm. seminars. Sit them down and say, ah, here's what it is. Here's mm-hmm. the difference. I mean, most people with, with HD... For years, we said, I don't notice the difference. And then you see something truly shot in HD on our native HD, yep. and you went, oh, my God. And oh, now you look back yeah. and go, oh, what were we watching back then? You're you know, still watching you... standard def on an HD display. That's what you're watching. Yeah. I mean, I had that aha <laughs> moment in, in this company when I was sitting there, like, you know, for sure, for sure, for sure. And they brought it in. They displayed it. I turned around and, like, damn, it fell off my seat. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow. Now well, that, that's brilliant. What was the first one of the first uh, cable channels was some nature <laughs> I can't yeah. remember the name of it, but it was a nature sh- the channel. The HD Networks. The, yeah, the HD Exactly. It was the HD Networks and almost nothing but, you know, these giant over, over, you know, flyover yeah. shots of Yosemite uh, or, or Glacier, you know, Glacier Bay and this yep. and the other. Gorgeous, well, gorgeous shots. Captain New York, I think, was one of the very first off-air broadcasts in HD okay. they were doing in New York. It was all part of the testing, but it was a regular series. And if you got, if you got wind of that, it was like, wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, touch panels for a second. And I'm, I'm, this is a stretch, and I'll admit it straight up. It's a stretch, <laughs> but we're going to go there. Uh, from innovateonthenet.net, Nike has created a futuristic all-LED basketball court. If you've ever been to a basketball game, you know exactly how big a regulation basketball court is. Well, Jamie, I want to order <laughs> a basketball-sized <laughs> touch panel because that's what this sucker is, right? Uh, yep. the, 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 the specs on it and this, that, and the other are, are on the link. We'll put it on the, on the show notes. Actually, I don't think it's touch panel. Though. Well, it's not. It, it, records, it records your movements, right? Motion tracking. Motion tracking. Motion tracking, yep. But it could be a interface, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, well, okay. well, th- well think, think of what motion is. Motion is reacting to uh, uh, coordinates. Exactly. Like it. Yep. So there you go. So I want it to control my control system. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why do I have a vision of like, oh, wait, wait, I'll, I have a vision of you get, doing controlling your house like big when they do the uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jamie's got I think nothing. That, you know, I, I I think that thing was one of the coolest things I've seen. I mean, I hate to say it because I that there's a lot of flash and glam associated with it. And I think a lot of people could look at that and go, "Oh, that's crazy," but that really uh, that really excited me. Only from the standpoint of I hate basketball, so <laughs> I should preface everything I'm about to say by saying I'm not a basketball guy. But having said that, I look at the potential. You know, everything that's you know on the internet about what they can do with that is all the obvious low-hanging fruit, which is the training needs, the yes. advertising needs, all the stuff that you can do with that kind of interactive floor. I'm looking at it as a non-basketball fan going, oh, my gosh, I can actually create a canvas to accommodate sport variants. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. start to change rules. I can start to, you know, I can add dynamics to the game that didn't exist before with a static canvas. So that's where I get excited about it. But I tried to find more about the economics of it, and all I could really find was that, you know, similar, you know, uh, LED floor technologies used for, you know, dance dance floors and disco floors. I mean, you range in price from anywhere from, you know, $900 a square meter to $1,500 a square meter, yeah. depending on pixel density. You mm-hmm. know, so just just for the just for the sheer, you know, floor elements alone, you know, for a basketball court, you're looking at, you know, almost three quarters of a million dollars just for the floor. Just, just to get the fiber elements in there, or get the light elements in there. I, I'm, I'm curious what they're actually invested in that thing. Well, it's Nike and Kobe Bryant, so you know, it's not cheap. Let's just yeah, and let's, in China. So and in China. Well, no, with the, that that kind of counterbalances, right? It's Kobe and Nike, but it's in China, so. China's willing to spend the money, though. These yeah. They're the one. Uh, there's another site called yeah. Design Boom that covers this. Uh, it was done by the folks at AKQA with Nike and uh, a couple of other, uh, they don't say who the install company is, but I think it's the LED provider manufacturer. Yeah, most likely. Mm-hmm. They're 16 centimeter by 60 centimeter squares. They overlace and inter- interlace with these things, and it's just amazing. I, I suspect it's a lot of infrared uh, quadrant and maybe some RFID type thing. Uh, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. But I was going to say, the, the RFID would be difficult with that. The, I give you the, I'll give you the laser quadrant, but do you think RFID? There's got to be something else going on because you have so many people moving. How do you keep track of each individual? Uh, you know, when okay. you do motion tracking yeah. in normal like video wall stuff or uh, LED wall and convergence type stuff, you're using multiple cameras to track an item with an like an LED yeah. identifier, and it knows where it is and then interpolates that information. Yada yada yada. Maybe they're doing that here too, but it looks like they're doing uh, a lot more than that. Uh, but I, I just had a sudden thought uh, to Jamie's point. 
<clears throat> I couldn't see this working in hockey because you have to look down at the ice. <laughs> but for baseball or basketball, if you could make it so that the performers, the athletes, don't see the imagery, mm-hmm. but those above do, it could change mm-hmm. how you do sports entirely. Well, football as well, too. Yeah, football, yeah. too, yes. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could do it for hockey if they don't see it. You know, maybe you have the, what are those, uh, the little... The little uh, art with the two levers that if you look up, you'll see black. If you look down, you see an image, silhouette well, yeah. or something. Hockey's, though, a little bit more reflective, like the actual surface, yeah. you know. That'd yeah. be difficult. But I could just see that. like It almost looks like a video game if you watch the video. It yeah. looks like they're in a video game. You could bring back the glowing puck. Remember that? Oh, oh the glowing oh, puck. Yeah. I love I know George didn't, but I loved the oh. glowing puck. Oh, yeah, when it wound up in the audience half the time. <laughs> Not really. They're those two guys digging in a red thing in the middle of the crowd. If you don't know what the glowing puck is, you youngins, uh, when when hockey started getting more and more popular, Fox Sports, back in its early infancy, uh, picked up the rights to NHL hockey, and they had a they actually made the puck glow so you could follow it. Some of the screen, times, yeah. Most, some of the and it would, times. it would get red and fast when it yes, when it just yeah. The, the trail was very nice. The, the trail, together. yeah. Uh, Steve, you got anything on this one? We're gonna throw this into somebody's uh, touch panel system or uh, control system. I, I I would just would uh, agree with a lot of that said already. I think it has a lot of good training tools. I think it it could you know it's very cool for somebody who would like to be able to analyze a game a little bit more. I, I think the football part of it would be very cool if you if you're really into the strategy. Uh, you know, it, ha, it has a lot of application. I don't know how much of it is going to be something that is going to come into our world, but but I think that if we could do something. It, that that it, it could provide some value to a sports fan, you know that, and I, I appreciate it. All right, all right. Uh, a couple things before we uh, before we let you guys get out of here. Um, one thing is, last week on this very program, um, we did we were we were challenged to the uh, the uh, the uh, ALS uh, ice bucket challenge, and uh, and we, we we took the the challenge. Uh, Crestron uh, challenged us, and, and we. We called out uh, our friends over at Commercial Integrator, uh, as well as uh, Margot Duwahi and um, Infocom. And there's our buddy Craig McCormick getting ready to do said ice bucket challenge. So uh, Commercial Integrator has at least picked it up, and, and uh, I'm not going to play the video for you because it gets weird with, with the hangouts and stuff. But, but there he is getting ready to do the ice bucket challenge. Apparently, uh, Tom LeBlanc is on a beach somewhere and refused to do it. So <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't say refuse to do it. He probably would have done it had he been, you know, not on vacation. So, uh, so good for them. Good, good on them. Um, also, uh, we've got a couple of other things real quick. Uh, we, we mentioned, uh, at the top of the show, um, the, uh, the, uh, PEQ, um, home automation thing and, and something else real quick. And I, I, I honestly, I should, I should have brought this up when we did the, the original story. Uh, but Chamberlain, um, this is from CNET.com uh, Chamberlain, my Q, garage is actually getting into the smart home uh, space and CNET did something interesting and, and they called it a gateway drug <laughs> for uh for for home automation uh, George is that is that accurate I mean is that is this kind of how we're going to get into you know DIY home automation stuff like this now nah, you're you're muted there George I mean I, I, that's typically how I like you but you know. there you go is that better <laughs> yes sorry sorry it got really loud in here I have forklifts going back and forth sometimes uh I'd rather annoy me than annoy everybody else. Uh, I gotcha. So let, let me let me start again. I think it's a pick your poison. Okay. Uh, what's a gateway drug to you is not to me. Uh, so if I guess somebody with a home with a garage, that's a great gateway drug towards. Hey, I need this. As as the article states, I need a camera. 
Uh, maybe I need another thing that helps me understand that. It looks like a solid product, although it's one of a plethora of other ones. And just like the other product that we reviewed from Best Buy, it'll catch somebody in a certain segment. And as Jamie said, I don't know who's going to win, if anybody. It may be a, a deal of cobbling together the best, and 20 years from now they all merge into one or something. But yeah. you know, all restaurants are Wendy's. You know what? That wouldn't yeah. be a bad thing. No, it was it was Taco Bell, wasn't it? It was Taco Bell. All Taco restaurants, Bell. Sorry, right. all restaurants are Taco Bell. Good, good movie, by the way. Good movie. Uh, I love this jingle. Jeez. <laughs> seashells. That's all I gotta say. Seashells. All right. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, it's Demolition Man. So so go uh, go check it out on. Uh, I don't know if it's on on Netflix or not. So. Um, I would imagine probably not. Uh, yeah, I mean, it might be. Uh, also, real quickly, um, Aviation will be at Cedia in two weeks from this very moment. Actually, two weeks from this very moment, we'll getting re- we'll be ready to record uh, AV Week uh, live from Cedia in the Cedia booth. So check come uh, come by and say hi. Uh, booth number fifteen fifty. But one of the sponsors, which surprised the heck out of me, is TiVo, um, of one of the sponsors of Cedia, and they have some interesting plans uh, for Cedia, according to. Uh, multichannel.com. One of the things that they're getting into, if you if you remember what who who TiVo is, TiVo is uh, not the probably not the originator of of the DVR, the digital video recorder, but one of the people who made it popular. Um, Steve, we'll kick it off with you on this. Where do you think that that they're going when it comes to uh, you know DVRing and, and some of the stuff they're getting into is is cloud storage uh, and streaming as well. So are they just kind of re are they trying to reinvent themselves? Um, to stay relevant, or is, is what they're doing, you know, maybe uh, maybe really revolutionary? I think the thing that TiVo has going for them, and they always have, is similar to why Kaleidoscape was a leader in what they did, is that they had the, the great user interface. It was very easy to use. People liked it. They liked the sound the remote uh, made, and it, it just was... Uh, I have TiVo, and, and I've never varied from it uh the, the cable dvr to me was ju- just wasn't as good of a product in terms of usability um the difficulty is is that it didn't keep up with some of the advancements and and the ability to record more shows and and be able to watch things in different rooms ha- had lagged i think or had not been as as uh, seamless and uh, i i personally would like to see it see them come out with something great. I think the cloud would be a wonderful solution to not have to worry about the storage. And uh, I, you know, that, that's kind of my take on it. Right. Uh, Mr. Trader, where do you, uh, where do you think that TiVo is going with, uh, with some of these changes? Um, I, I think they're looking at the, I think they're looking at the eventuality of everything going through the provider and what they've really done with the Romeo is they've really, uh, Romeo, is that what they're calling it now? Romeo, yeah. I think so. They're really trying to figure out how do I position myself in with the provider. So I'm going to give you a box that actually provides more integrated value than anything you've been currently distributing. I'm going to let you brand it up, and uh, and consumers are going to like it, and they're going to like it in ways that they haven't liked the other DVRs you've issued because we're going to give you a single interface, to Steve's point, a really good single user interface that allows you to search for content on one single box. Right, and if I'm if I'm thinking that I want to see you know a Family Guy episode, and I search in Family Guy, I don't want to just first search what my broadband provider is carrying me, and then switch TV inputs over to my Roku or to my Apple TV or something else, and then search again on those devices for what kind of internet internet 
uh, versions of episodes may be available to me. Let me just search once. I've got Family Guy in the mind. I want to go see where I can find my Family Guy episodes. I, I love that. And I think that they're really looking at... Yep. I was going to say... Yeah, I, it's, I, it's really just, let me, let me give you a single... You're up. Okay. Just, you had a little bit of lag there. Uh, I, I, just, just a little. Just, a little. Give him a break. It's Texas. It has a. They have a big area to cover with the internet. It's that red wall. It's the yeah. Uh, George, where's where's Tivo going with this? Well, I, I think Jamie said a, a good point is that are well they have two choices. Do they try to align themselves with a cable slash content provider to be their main device? Or do they rely on the, the, the relationship and the loyalty of their customers? I think the latter, in my opinion, is their strongest suit because they have, of the people they have, they're loyal as all get out. I have, a, I have like three two-series in the house, and I don't even watch that much TV. It's for my kids and my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I prefer their interface. Have you seen the cable network's interface? Uh, Good Lord, it'll give you stitches of pain. Yeah. And, and it's just I mean, scientific Atlanta box. Don't let me say that word again. I'll, <laughs> anyway. Or the, um, or the more roll one. And yeah, well, we don't get you know, here in... Anyway. Oh, okay, well, there you go. I'm going to say something very spiteful about a cable company, and suddenly I'll lose all my hockey. So, <laughs> wait, Steve didn't, didn't that already happen last season? Oh, wait. No. <laughs> no you... that, oh, maybe for a little while. No, for a little while. Year? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Hey, we were in the cup. <laughs> um, oh. On that. Yeah, I know. Fergus is now going to go all over me. Their advantage is being the centralized hub. Yeah. to switch between them and to have that storage capability, whether it's local and or uh, cloud. My only question is, everybody's in this arms race about how many shows simultaneously you can record. How many shows simultaneously do you really need to record? <laughs> Who on this bloody <laughs> earth needs to watch 15 uh, different shows recorded at the exact same moment? <laughs> I, I, maybe you, the you, Duggars? Well, no, no. Here, here's here's the thing. Very nice. Very, very well done. <laughs> The question becomes a more a broader conversation about the quality of television in the U.S. I don't think there's <laughs> well, four. I don't think there's four shows that are on at the exact same time that's worth up. recording. You know, I mean, Naked do- and Afraid, Emmy yeah. Award winning. Why is it always passed over? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Who's on at eight o'clock at Central on, on, on Saturday night. If anybody goes up against that, they're screwed in my house. You know, so mm-hmm. anything other than that, I don't care. <laughs> So, and I'm not going to make a comment about, you know, the 12th Doctor. You know. uh, all right. Um, let me make one comment in there. George, yes. to your point, I think uh, one thing I really agree with in terms of it, it holding, holding true to its loyal constituency, and I, I personally think that over time that constituency is going to grow, and I think that's going to come from you're going to see a decline in younger generations coming in and migrating away from, provider-based content, broadband-based content. Yep. I mean, I'm looking at, you know, the last body of kids they've seen go off into school. They're not setting up accounts with, you know, Xfinity and, and, and Verizon and all the big boys. They're getting their they're getting their internet feed and maybe at best a Netflix subscription, something, you know, at, at best because, you know, spending $200 a month on content when they're okay with YouTube and they can pretty much get everything they need from the internet, so I, I think at some point what TiVo is doing is kind of genius because they're saying, look, we know that we have this huge market out there that people that are still going to want to feel to have uh, provided content, curated content, things of that nature. Um, so let me give you an interface that blends all that together, but they've got a separate business model to give you your own independent subscription directly to them 
for the the younger generation coming in and not wanting that that other feed. I think it's great. Well, and plus, from a manufacturer standpoint, look what happened to Replay. They yeah. were Replay inside for a lot of those cable companies, and they went off and said, "That's fantastic! Hey, this guy in China, you can make them cheap. Bye. We'll make our own." <laughs> You're setting yourself up for the fall there if that's your own only business plan and that becomes your main business plan. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna mm-hmm. turn around and go, you yeah you were yesterday's news thanks, and do the same thing you you were doing <laughs> but just without you. Well, it it actually it, it, I I I used to have a TiVo and, and um I, it, at least it helps me uh, makes me feel good about TiVo because a year ago I honestly thought that they were toast I, I really did because. The cable companies had done just that. I mean, a lot of them did have uh, agreements with TiVo. Uh, DirecTV had agreements with TiVo for a number of years. And suddenly, everybody and their brother had their own DVR because they did exactly what George said. You know, uh, guy in China, guy in India, guy in Korea, you can make these cheaper, right? And slap some sort of weird little interface on it, and we're good to go. Um, so, yeah, it, it at least, you know, they're at least forward, you know, more forward thinking than I gave them credit for a year ago. So. All right, uh, one last story, and then I'll let you guys get out of here. And it's not really a you know, commentary. It's more of a, hey, this is what's going on with some buddies of ours. Uh, our, our buddy uh, Chris Netto over at Red Band is doing some, something interesting. It's kind of a cryptic note, so I'm just going to put it. He, he sent me a text that, hey, talk about this. And I said, all right, let's talk about it. Um, it's not really clear what he's doing, uh, but according to his blog post on AV Shout, uh, he is getting rid of Red Band, or at least... Um, um, decommissioning it as it were uh and george tucker there's nothing showing up on screen by the way oh well then there you go oh well i'll just just i'll just keep talking are you showing up on my screen huh about decommissioning yeah so oh well yeah yeah but he's got right he's decommissioning is what red band is saying yes yeah they're decommissioning themselves um and apparently in a week or so they'll they'll announce something else so there you go good good luck to those guys um that's all we've got for this week have a fabulous uh, three-day weekend if you get it off. Um, I, I don't. So <laughs> yeah, I've just I've got a lot of programs to write. So, uh, Mr. Steve Greenblatt, Chief Muckety Muck at Control Concepts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, where can people again. find you or uh, or Control Concepts? Well, uh, in, uh, as you said, about two weeks I'll see you at Cedia. Yay! And, uh, you still haven't registered yet uh, as a Cedia Tweep. Uh, use CT6 as your code. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, at Steve Greenblatt. Company website is controlconcepts.net. Very good. Uh, Jamie Trader, uh, live from big old Texas and AMX by Harmon. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Tim. And hey, guys, all of you, really appreciate everything you're doing here. It's uh, it's a great community. You guys have really been building up. And I really appreciate just being brought in for a few words here and there. Absolutely. Where can people find you, sir? Uh, where can people find you or, uh, or AMX? Um, you can find AMX uh, at AMX.com. Uh, find me personally, jamie.trader at AMX.com. And definitely look out for us on uh, all the major uh, social areas like uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter at AMX Talk. Keep up with what's current. AMX Talk, indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, and last but not least, um, my buddy, my pal, Mr. George Tucker. Uh, where can people find you, sir? Uh, at Tucker Twos on most social media platforms, uh, commercial integrator, corporate tech decisions, and ramblings here and there. All right. Also, you can find him. Usually on the street corner. Usually on the street corner with a sign that says the end is nigh. Yeah, disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something about the end of the world and Armageddon, but yeah. Anyhow. Uh, so, Great movie. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, 
and Steve Buscemi was in it. He's in every movie. He's in every movie. He is, <laughs> and a good, pretty good actor too. So a uh, a firefighter for uh, NY uh, NYFD too. I'm so, a damn nice guy. Very nice guy. So, <laughs> why are we talking about Steve Buscemi? Um, George is also on a number of other shows. Uh, I mentioned DIY. Uh, if from time to time you'll catch him on that, but what really you'll find him on the Lighting Guy show. Uh, well, sometimes you're you at least involved with the Lighting Guy show. Yeah, and also, James Fidel, who is the main guy on that, uh, he does a lot of it is interviews with lighting people, lighting designers, and education on lighting techniques for the integrators. So yeah. some of it's basic stuff, some of it's interviews with you know people changing the paradigm, as it were. Uh, also, just to fill in for you, Pico Perspectives uh, is having a new episode come up. The live life is undergoing a uh, a change, and we'll bring bringing on some new hosts and some new ideas, and you'll see that shortly go. at the end of the month. All right. Uh, also, we're going to have a new episode of AV Social, which is kind of highlights. Don Mead uh, taught a class at Infocom this this summer at Infocom 2014, so we'll have highlights of that. Very course, a new EdTech is up. Steve and I did a, a new State of Control last week, so that is up as well. Uh, also mentioned a couple times, we're going to be at Cedia. Yay! Uh, you can see our pretty faces uh, live and in person. Uh, Friday, Friday, February, oh, Friday, February, good Lord, Friday, September 12th. <laughs> Um, we're going to be doing AV Week live from the CDA booth, booth 1550. Uh, so come by and say hi. Uh, 1 o'clock Mountain Time, I believe. And then the CDA version of the Tweet Up is coming to also CDA. Also happening in the CDA booth. They're being very nice to us. Uh, happening at the CDA booth. Again, booth 1550, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Come by sir, for some uh, free food and drink and some networking. Uh, those are That one is sponsored by uh, Crestron and Middle Atlantic Products. They've been very nice. Uh, gave us some money so we can give you free food and drink. So uh, come by for both of those if you would. And Jamie, are you going to see you? I will be out there on the Harmon floor. Yes, sir. All right. Well, come by and I say hey. definitely stop by and say hi. Yep. Yeah. So, um, also, I talked with our, our good friend Becky Duck, uh, Becky Villarreal from Middle Atlantic. And I know they're not a sponsor anymore, but I'm still going to talk about this. Uh, they're doing something very cool. If you like craft beers, and I'll preface this by saying that, if you like craft beers, and you, who doesn't? you might want to. Well, some people don't like beer. Some people like wine. You might want to go by the Middle Atlantic booth. Let's just say that they have contacted most of the craft breweries in and around the Denver area. And you will be able to partake of said craft beers from in and around the Denver area at CD. Now this you're year. just rubbing it in, aren't you? I am, because <laughs> I'm gonna have you're one just for George. Rubbing this in and making me feel bad, you bastard! Uh, I tell you. Grab a red eye. There's all kinds of flights out of New York. Uh, yikes! So, yeah, yeah, you I might. I better see a picture of you drinking at least one of them. Uh, you, I will send you at least one. Yes, <laughs> uh, at least one. So. Uh, but yeah, go by there and, and go by the Harmon, uh, the the Harmon booth, which will have AMX in it as well, because AMX is down by Harmon. So, uh, but yeah, all all, the, all of that stuff uh, again brought to you by Middle Atlantic Products and Crestron. The the tweet up, Friday February. Uh, why am I in February? Friday September twelfth, Cedia booth fifteen fifty from four to six p.m. Uh, go by the website if you would please. They've uh, spent the people who do it have spent an awful lot of hard work. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Find this program and all the ones that George has already mentioned, uh, blogs and news and all sorts of really fun stuff. So Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week.